0: Haunted UK Podcast Short Haunts is produced and released in stereo. Listening through an environment such as headphones or stereo speakers will ensure you get the best experience. Here at Haunted UK Podcast Towers, we're committed to giving you high-quality, great episodes, time after time after time. But this takes a lot of effort in research, writing, editing, recording, mixing, mastering and publishing. We don't have a fancy production company or a bank of scriptwriters, or a large budget to keep everything going. We are a fully independent podcast. If you'd like to help the show, then why not get over to Coffee and search for The Haunted UK Podcast, where you can subscribe to give just £3 per month, the price of a coffee, or as much as you like. If you'd rather not sign up for a monthly subscription, then you can simply make a one-off donation. Again, as little or as much as you like. This really helps the show with our website, coffee membership, merchandise, equipment, as well as other financial commitments. So, if you feel that you'd like to keep the lights burning, the wheels turning and the stories rolling, then why not consider getting over to coffee and donating to the show. That's Ko. Hyphen FI and search for the Haunted UK podcast. Thank you. Votes are now open for the Listener's Choice Award at the British Podcast Awards. If you enjoy the show, we would be honoured to have your vote. You can cast your vote at www.britishpodcastawards.com. This is the Haunted UK Podcasts. Short Haunts Welcome, dear listeners, to the first of our short haunts. A shot of scary, just for you. So grab a hot chocolate, maybe a tea, maybe something stronger, because this is Haunted UK Podcast's Short Haunts. Let's go back to 2009, to a big old Victorian house, which, according to the listener, looked unhappy from the start. This listener wishes to remain anonymous, and their story is truly spine tingling, sad, and strange. Let's call our listener Lizzie, and we'll let her take up the story from here. I was in my mid 20s at the time. My lease was coming up in my pokey slug infested flat. It's not a joke to say that slugs haunted me, they used to come up through the floorboards. It was almost supernatural. Don't worry, this isn't a tale about slugs though. No, this is much worse. After a bad week of noisy neighbours, another attack of slugs, and my time coming to an end anyway, I decided enough was enough. My cousin and her best mate were looking for somewhere to stay, and it seemed the perfect time to go. My cousin Abby found about five houses to take a look at. We spent one fun Saturday pursuing them all. Various shabby run-down places which seemed depressingly in our budget. But then, there was this one place. Liddington Road. Not its real name, but close enough. It was huge, but strangely cheap. Suffice to say, we all fell in love with it. With its gothic archways... Huge double bedrooms, art deco bathroom, and a curved staircase, which beckoned for dramatic entrances. The letting agent informed us that it had been empty for a while now. The owner no longer wished to live there. Too many bad memories, going through a messy divorce and wanted to rent it out for a while. Perhaps alarm bells at, no longer wanting to live there, should have rung loud and clear. But of course... It didn't. We couldn't believe our luck. We larked about on the staircase, swishing pretend skirts and vowed there and then to take it. In a giggle of hysteria, we raced to the nearest pub afterwards and clinked our beer glasses in celebration. Times were going to be good. No more slugs. Yet at the back of my mind, as impressed as I was with the place, I didn't actually like it which made no sense. It was my ideal home. When we looked around, I had a sense of claustrophobia in the large lavish rooms, around my throat. It was hard to explain, and when we poked about in the cellar, I felt a pair of eyes boring into my neck. Certainly, the place had a strange visceral effect on me anyway. Of course, I pushed all of these feelings and notions aside. Feelings of excitement prevailed. I wouldn't be living on my own anymore, and it would be so much fun. It's a shame that I didn't listen to that nagging feeling. My intuition, perhaps, that this wasn't a happy house. Plans were made, boxes and bags were packed, and a sense of optimism in the air. And so... One late summer's day, my boyfriend, now my husband, suggested going for a picnic in our local park. Now this park was right by Lidington Road, and as we were walking past, and knowing the house was empty, we couldn't resist having a quick peek through the window. When we looked in though, we saw a bird, a swallow it seemed, circling around and around in the living room flapping about, almost gasping for air, frantic. It was actually quite distressing, and we weren't quite sure what to do. I ended up ringing the letting agent, who said he would call in and have a look. Later he reported, no bird was there. Puzzled, he said with a bemused chuckle, Are you sure? Apparently, all the windows were sealed shut. We moved in and all was seemingly well. The washing machine was in the cellar and that quickly proved a problem. Full of the owner's gym equipment, golf trophies, broken ornaments and photos from his broken marriage, the cellar was quite a tricky place to traverse. It wasn't somewhere you could quickly dart across the room and race upstairs and leave. Everything was in your way. It was a difficult space. None of us admitted it, but none of us wanted to go down there. Of course, we had to, but when we did, when we did, it's hard to explain, there seemed to be a noise, which wasn't audible as such, but somehow pervaded your senses, raised your hackles, and I would get that tight, constricted, claustrophobic feeling of my throat again. The worst thing was that you felt like you were being watched, and that was very hard to shake off. I remember coming up from the cellar, laundry load empty but feeling rattled. I went into the kitchen to begin dinner, but I kept touching the back of my neck. I felt like something was very close. The power of the mind, perhaps. Or was I being watched by something? I don't know. I still don't know. For the next few months, aside from the unease and lack of light, it was a very dark house, with a musty yellow light in the living rooms, which made me, to be honest, think of death. It began to be apparent that none of us were happy. My job suddenly wasn't going well. I kept getting ill, Abby and Colette were beginning to have issues in their relationships and my cousin Abby had a car accident. Thankfully she was fine, but there was this feeling that bad things were happening outside of our control. A sense of menace was gently toying with our lives, just enough. Just enough to make us question things, but perhaps not enough to yet connect the dots and get the hell out of there. I felt sicker than I had ever felt in my life. And I began to feel quite morose. Down. A bit trapped in a corner. I began to feel like that bird flapping frantically trying to escape. Things came to a head one night. It was around 2am. I can't remember what night it was, but Colette emitted the loudest scream, which woke us all up. Convinced we had an intruder, we raced out onto the landing. Colette was fine, but shaken, simply saying, I'm fine, it's it's okay, just go back to bed. I'm being an idiot. I just had a bad dream. Not that convinced and full of are-you-sures and hugs, we reluctantly went back to bed. You see, Colette had always hated that room. The smallest room. It was situated right at the top of the stairs, and always looked to me, as I went upstairs, to be waiting for you. Colette sometimes had bad nightmares. She didn't like to be in the house by herself, especially not in that room. Preferring to sit with us in our room and chat, I noticed she always, always had the light on. The next morning, over coffee and thickly buttered toast, I questioned Colette, and she laughed it off. As I was going out, she said, If I tell you, you won't laugh at me. Of course, I had to know and urged her to tell me. So she took a deep breath and detailed how she woke with a start and thought one of us was in the room, even calling out, Abby. But then she snapped her head up and there seemed to be this outline of something. Something darting around and around above her, frantically. It seemed to be the head and shoulders of a young girl with what seemed like wings curled underneath, like a cherub you'd see in paintings. She circled, trying to get out of the room, a bit like a bird. Those words chilled me. Time went on. Relationships and jobs seemed to fall apart at our feet. My job was so bad, I was leaving, and Abby and her partner were splitting up. Colette felt unhappy, and I guess we were beginning to think about what to do next. But then something happened which made up our minds for us. Something that told us we shouldn't live in this house anymore. And after this, we knew we couldn't. I think at the time, Google Earth was relatively new, or there was a phase of people looking at it lots. Anyway, one Friday evening, Colette was messing about on her laptop and gasped. It was just me in the house and I said, ''Are you okay?'' Colette looked at me and beckoned me over. ''I don't know. Look at this. What can you see?'' It was Google Earth, and it was our street view. Colette had zoomed into our house and there at the top window in Abby's room was a young girl of about eleven or twelve, looking out with a blue shawl around her shoulders, looking hauntingly morose, forlorn, looking, weirdly it seemed, directly at us. Of course, this could have been a previous occupant and taken a while ago. 1890, perhaps. After lots of discussion, Abby seemed to think it was captured while we were living there, but we were never sure. And I guess there are all sorts of logical, rational explanations which could have been made. Neither me or Colette had the will or inclination to pursue any of these arguments, though. It seemed pointless, because in our hearts we knew something. Something that was hard to articulate. But we knew. And in short, we were terrified We had been there a year at this time and our exit points could not appear quick enough. The lease was not renewed. We again packed our bags and... we were not sorry to leave. We left and life did improve for all three of us. The new job was good. Colette and Abby both seemed happier. We never liked talking about Lidington Road, though. As for me, well... I have many thoughts and ruminations about it. Part of me wonders if being in an old dark house made it ripe for such feelings and fears. My husband didn't like the cellar, but swore that it was the boiler making the sound. But when I look back, deep down, deep down, I always had these feelings of entrapment, sadness, at a frantic desire to get out. The bird. The floating girl with wings. The girl in the window. Was it the girl calling for our help? To let her out? In the end, it seemed we became frantic birds too. And we didn't look back when we did fly. And we certainly didn't look on Google Earth again. And that is the end of our first short haunt. Thank you for listening. Please let us know your thoughts or any similar experiences. For example, have you ever felt eyes boring into the back of your neck as you load laundry in a dark, musty cellar? Or perhaps witnessed a bird fly into your home? Maybe a finch that always visits? a raven fixing its stare, directly at you as it swoops and lands on the sill of your window. And it gives you this feeling, this unsettling feeling. And you wonder if it's the harbinger of something awful, ominous, dreadful. If that's the case, then be prepared. Because the next subject of a short haunt could be you. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. But do you have an interesting story which features the paranormal? If so, your story could be featured in our new series, Short Haunts. Please get in touch via email at hauntedukpodcast at or Twitter at hauntedukpod or on Instagram at hauntedukpodcast. We're waiting for your stories. This episode was presented by Steve, produced by Blue Step Audio, and the script was edited by Marie Waller Proofreading. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show.